Hello, and welcome to episode 9 of the Canto Bite Dispatch. I'm Emily Lind, and with me, as always, my co-host, Brittany Brown. Hi, Brittany. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing? Good. Just went on a walk with my dog, and that was fun. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah, a nice night out here in San Diego. So, it was nice. Now, you went to see the Beach Boys last night? <laughs> yeah, I... I remember it a little bit, but yeah, I did. The Beach Boys and John Stamos. It was fun. Uh, my sister's visiting too. She lives in Orlando, so she's come, she's been down for the weekend, and it was fun. My mom, sister, and I we went to a Beach Boys concert, had a lot of drinks, met some new friends, saw John Stamos. Is he very handsome still? Yeah, he is. It was really funny, though, because, like, in the very beginning of the concert, he started, like, talking a lot on the mic. Like, he's like, our country's divided right now. And it's like, John, no, just sing. Just sing, John. <laughs> I, was, I think I remember looking at my sister and be like, oh, God, he's getting political. But it's like, John, just sing. Like, that's, that's why you're here, because all the other guys are really old and you're here to liven up everything. Because I think that my mom and my sister and I, like, were the only ones, like, actually, like, standing up dancing. Like, everyone else was just, like, sitting down the whole concert except for like some songs so it was fun though how old is john stamos i think he's got to be up there too he's in his 50s but here john stamos let me look it up 54 54 dang it i I mean i mean he still looks hella good he just he doesn't age it's well that whole cast of full house still looks good like you have like bob sackett still looks good and dave coulier still looks good and I think it's, <laughs> it's that Full House gang. I have a conspiracy theory. They just don't age. I actually think John Stamos is much better looking now. Maybe it's because he doesn't have that stupid hair. Okay. You got you all people in your hair. Like, I, I liked Hayden Christensen's mop hair, and I really like John Stamos's old hair. And now it's okay. Like, now it's, like, older John Stamos hair, which is fine. It's kind of like Brad Pitt. Like, Brad Pitt had that ponytail for a long time. And I enjoyed it. And he mm. cut it. And I was like, okay. Like, but I don't know. Some hairstyles look good on certain people. Like, the ponytail thing, that only looks good on a couple people. Including Brad Pitt. I'm generally against ponytails on dudes. Really? Not everybody, but most people. No, I don't. I don't enjoy it. Oh, dang. Ponytails on guys. I know my hair is like really long. My hair length is like almost to like my butt. Like that's how long my hair is. Like I was doing it yesterday for the concert. And I'm like, it's getting too long to manage. <laughs> uh. Oh yeah, I keep mine. I can't. I can't do with it. Like mine was down. I mean, not even to my shoulders, but it was right at the length where it was just getting in my eyes all the time. So then I got drunk on Friday night and popped it off. <laughs> oh my god. I do that uh, you know, a couple like times. Like get drunk a year. and cut your hair or just cut your hair? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean both. I mean it wasn't I was probably more tipsy than drunk. I mean I was able to use like the little electric buzzer thing. So I wasn't like, wasted. <laughs> That's good. But I know. I've never done anything like that when I was drunk like I think as a kid I cut my hair and like that devastated my mother because she never wanted me to cut my red hair really short 
because she my red my red hair is very sacred to my family and every single person around me like I can't go to the mall without someone being like your hair is so pretty and I'm just like thanks yeah it's natural and they're like is it really and I'm like yeah I was born with it I mean, your hair is your hair is very pretty, but I'm not gonna like approach <laughs> strangers and tell them that they have pretty hair. Gotta know. I'm like the kind of person though that like if I'm if I'm at a restaurant and I see someone's hair or even their makeup, like you know they're sitting us at a table or something, and I'm like, yo, your makeup looks really good, and everyone around me is like, Brittany, that's creepy. I'm like, no, it's not. Like, I appreciate a good you know a good makeup look and a good hair look you know because that's that takes dedication you know like I used to for work sometimes that would take me like an hour and a half to like you know do my hair do my makeup and it takes a lot of work and oh I applaud everyone that does that yeah I do I do get comments occasionally because my hair is well right now it's blue and purple but it changes sometimes and I found since I dyed that that's something people comment on which doesn't bother me if it's yeah, women. Yeah, that's good. Are you going to, like, dye your hair a special color for The Last Jedi? Are you going to, like, dye it, like, red and, like, black or something? Or, like, some, like, Last Jedi colors? Or what's, what are even the colors for this movie? Uh, I don't understand the <laughs> question. <laughs> I don't know. Like, Do you assign movies colors? Yeah. Is that weird? I, I don't know because I don't quite understand yeah, what you mean. And we'll... We're going to put this up on Twitter <laughs> as a poll because I don't know. What? It's like, okay, like, because it's, uh, you know, we're talking about Taylor Swift during, like, uh, Araj's podcast. And, you know, I kind of associate, like, different colors, like, with her albums, you know? And kind of with, like, Star Wars movies. Like, for instance, like, the darker movies. Like, for some reason, like, I associate The Last Jedi as, like, a red color because I think of, like, Crate. And then, or something like uh, Revenge of the Sith, I do like a dark orange red also because, you know, the lava and shit. A lot of reds and oranges, but The Force Awakens is like a yellow. Maybe I'm just thinking of pineapples. (laughs) I named my Porg. I named my Porg. His name is Pineapple. Oh my god, yes. (laughs) Because we were... Pineapple the pork because we were having a spicy little debate on Twitter the other day because I I was picking up my sister at the airport and I was thinking of you know thoughts before going to bed and that night before going to bed I was thinking why do people despise pineapple and pizza and of course I was sitting there waiting for my sister at the airport and I'm like I got it and I just Casually wrote on Twitter, am I the only person who likes pineapple on pizza? And a whole hoopla of people. Some people I I didn't really know that well, but props to you. I love you guys already. It's supporting me, but then all my friends are like, Brittany, you're psycho. And I'm like, there we go. There are my friends. <laughs> no, I just, I, I think it's a disgusting okay. combination. I think part of it is, part of it is, I also don't like ham. And so, like, I, there's nothing about Hawaiian pizza to appeal to me. I I kind of understand the pineapple thing because it's, like, when the pineapple slices are, like, too big, I kind of don't like it because then, like, the size of pineapple overpowers the, uh, the side of, you know, the, the pizza, you know. So, I don't know because, you know, some Italian restaurants that I go to or that were, like, there's some of them near my house, like, they have, like, the biggest chunks of pineapple in the pizza it's like keep it small like little caesars they do like crappy 
you know, American pizza, like fast food. Like they have like the perfect size pineapples on their pizza and they have like the Canadian bacon also. But I don't know how I feel about Canadian bacon. So I kind of understand that. But the pineapple thing, I don't know. I just feels I feel like it goes well. Like you have like the combination of cheese and like fruit. Like I think that's good because you know how people um people dip their fruits in chocolate. Like you have chocolate covered strawberries or, you know, it, it's kind of like that, but. I think it's the it's. I mean, I like I pair cheese and fruit all the time, but there's something about, like pineapple and hot mozzarella, and also tomato sauce. Ugh. Well, you're talking to the kid who has to dip their pizza into chocolate pudding, so. Oh God. (laughs) Or it would be like certain pizzas. Like I would like dip my pizza into like applesauce, and it was good. As a kid and. Yeah. Okay, here's one that I found on the internet. Pumpkin oh, spice pizza. Okay. <laughs> and, Dude. And, okay, okay, I don't I'm, get... I have to define this. It's not just, like, a dessert pizza, which would be really close to, um, like, pumpkin pie. But apparently this is pizza dough, pumpkin pie filling, and then mozzarella cheese. Which sounds... <laughs> horrifying i mean i don't like pumpkin pie i mean i get it but i don't think i'm gonna like pumpkin pie more if you cover it in cheese and most things i will like more if you cover them in cheese cheese is just like a necessity like you know like bean and cheese burrito cheese pizza cheeseburger macaroni and cheese like there's just so many things that cheese does that are great but you know of course if like you're vegan like I support that but I really do love cheese and bread cheese and bread together make the most beautiful things and you can obviously tell that it's a slow Star Wars week because we're talking about cheese pineapple and Brittany dipping her foods into weird objects because that's Brittany yeah then again you know, back to the movies and colors thing. Like, yeah, like I associate, you know, different things with colors or I don't know. I, I'm weird. So do you kind of do you have synesthesia? Thing, Is it that? What's that? Oh, it's this thing. Oh, man. It's where the senses get crossed in different ways. And so like my I have a friend who has it and he hears when he hears musical notes, he sees colors with them. Oh wow! And it can be it can be things like that, or it can be I've 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 heard about it being like like different sounds can have different tastes to them. It's it's one of those things. As far as I know, at least you know this was because it was something that was on like standardized testing when I was in school. You know where there's like the paragraphs that you read, and then you are supposed to like analyze them. And it's not really about whatever it's about. It's just to show that you can summarize. And it was all the practice test questions were always about synesthesia. And as far as I remember, it was one of those things where scientists didn't understand exactly why it was happening. But I thought it was interesting, and I wondered if it was that. Oh, that's interesting. I don't think I have that. I just think that i have a weird sense of creativity and i think just you know i associate different things with you know different you know colors or objects or you know sounds or something but 
I don't know. You never know. <laughs> I mean, I guess we should talk anyway. about something to do with Star Wars, which is um, Last Jedi is completely done. Yes. Wrapped up, done, editing, filming, all that fun shit. Which makes me think, too, about that. Like, do they're pro- John Williams has probably completed the score and everything, too. Am I right? I I imagine that's what it means, but I'm not knowledgeable. So. <laughs> like, I, I took completely done as completely done. I know. That makes me so excited. Like, to think that, you know, they're finished with the film. Like, Ryan's, like, se- seen everything and said, okay, like, this is good. Because I, I am, is it that common to be finished with the movies this early? Because it's late September, almost October, and they have at least, you know, two more months until they're going to release this bad boy. So I think this is actually, like, where you want to be as opposed to things like Rogue One when they were doing some pretty <laughs> drastic reshoots. Because wasn't it at this point when they were announcing that they were doing the reshoots? Because even Han Solo, like, they're doing reshoots for their movie right now. But that's just Han Solo, because Han Solo, that's a whole different... <laughs> and I, it's, like, hard to... I mean, that's only, what, seven months away? Eight months away? Yeah, they're supposed to release it in May still, so... Yeah, because I've seen uh, Ron Howard post pictures with, uh, like, Amelia Clark and uh, other people, like, saying that they're done shooting and all that fun stuff. And it was really smart that he, like, he took a picture with her and she was just in a jacket. Like, that's so smart to not reveal her, you know, her costume just yet. And But her hair was a little different, though. Like, she has, like, little bangs and... They're really cute, and them almost makes me want to get bangs again looking at hers. So, just Amelia Clark is adorable. So, she is. One thing that's nice about it being done is that it means it's completely done, and J.J. Abrams has completely finished film to go off of. That's a good point too. Yeah, J.J. Abrams, he can now, him and Chris Terrio can kind of start, you know, writing a script and looking over it. And who knows, like, how many scripts that he'll write or they call it something, but how many, you know, different versions of the script until it's like how many drafts. Yeah, I can't think of words, but (laughs) yeah, because. There were a couple drafts of the ninth movie, and then there was, like, one final one, and then Carrie Fisher died, and then they are like, all right, Colin, gotta do it again, and Colin fucked up, so that's the reason why we have JJ back. They brought in that dude who wrote that, I mean, frankly, fucking terrible Harry Potter script. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man, that made me so mad. It was terrible. Man, well, well, they're making correct decisions now i mean yeah now, we'll see we still don't even know how the last yeah terrio still worries me okay we've had a couple people say that they also associate colors with the star wars movies hell yeah okay wait i'm looking at that right now i, can't tell <laughs> I still don't understand what it means 
so like you associate things with like different colors like you like target like you associate red with target because okay, but no that's because that's because target's logo and everything is red yeah that's kind of why the last jedi too because like everything's in red so you just okay because okay, you, you see like the packaging because some of the packaging was too and just all the posters like they had a bunch of yellow in them and i just associate the color yellow with the force awakens like i have a little like force awakens the poster above my room and it's just a rain fan and there's lots of it's i see just lots of yellow and you have like bb it's orange but i so i don't know it's it's hard to explain like i can't explain it okay okay what color is rogue one God, Rogue One is like a blue. It's like a dark blue because I think of Scarif and you think of, you know, the ocean. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. But, okay, wait. I want to look at this Canto Bite. Wow, we have 133 followers. Go Canto Bite Dispatch. Thank you everyone who's written reviews and told us on twitter that they're listening it means a lot but all right back to that's so weird like you don't associate like things with colors or like certain times of the year like you know how you associate like certain times of the year and colors oh, okay so oh, okay i mean like but some of that is just i mean most of that is just sort of tradition or marketing like christmas is green and red yeah, and Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is fall colors like orange and brown. But I don't. I don't think like, oh, uh, Lord of the Rings is purple. I don't know. The Lord of the Rings doesn't really seem like a purple. Like I'm trying to think of a movie that I can like <laughs> the color purple with. You know, you also do it with like a bunch of the movie posters too. Like you look at a movie poster for a movie, and you just kind of see like what colors are associated or are shown in the trailer, or not the trailer, but in the poster. So let me look up something like Batman. I don't know why Batman came into my head. Batman versus Superman. Okay, so I'm going to look at the color of Batman versus Superman. Okay, so you see, like, them, like, looking at each other, and they look pissed off. And it's dark. So for that kind of movie, like, the whole movie was really dark and weird. So I I associated that color with, like, a really ugly gray. Not, like, a pretty gray, but, like, a really ugly gray. Maybe I'm just really shitty at associating things with colors, other than Star Wars. But yeah, colors and movies. Yeah, because okay. you can associate colors with like feelings. And I do that with movies and movies, colors, movies. But you know, the movie is wrapped in everything. So with Game of Thrones, there were a bunch of hackers that got into season seven and they released you know a lot of the content and a lot of you know episode synopsis synopsis or episode synopsis. summaries synopses there are just some words that just don't come out of my mouth correctly that's one of them but do you think that since this movie is done like a bunch of hackers will try to get access because my brother was asking me about this you know about the hacker thing and i almost think that they're so secretive with this movie that they're not there's there's not going to be like a little USB drive with the last Jedi on it. Like they're top secret, they're top secret 
shit, but I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I think they probably have it locked down pretty well. Um, I think they're probably hyper-prepared for that. So here's my here's a question going off of that. What if it did leak? What what would your approach be? I would avoid it because I did the total opposite with Game of Thrones. And I don't regret it, but I almost think like, okay, like what would have my reaction been to this episode if I would have seen it like live, like with everyone else? Because, you know, you had that secret or I had that secret, of course, with like all of our friends because they were like, okay, like, I didn't watch the Game of Thrones. I'm not going to be spoiled. But I knew everything. So it was kind of weird, you know, keeping that secret. But then again, it was like, you know, my dirty little secret that I had. But Star Wars is something so sacred to me that if someone said, hey, I have The Last Jedi. Do you want to watch it? I would say no. I don't want to know anything. But there are going to be those assholes that see it and they're going to blab their mouth. Because I know a lot of people did that after they saw The Force Awakens. And a lot of people revealed the death of Han Solo. And I would be devastated if someone did that to me because one, you know, Star Wars means so much to me. And if someone just spoiled, spoiled everything rotten for me, I'd be devastated. I had Qui-Gon's death spoiled for me. Oh, no way. What happened? Well, because that was the one where they, they either released the soundtrack or the, like, the cover of the soundtrack came up early and one of the songs is like outright mentions Qui-Gon's death. Oh shit. But I had avoided I mean this was much easier back then because this would have been when did Menace come out? 99? 99, Eight? yeah. 99. So, I mean the internet existed, but it was much easier to avoid things, but it was I believe the day before the movie came out and I was sitting in math class and my friend John turned around to me and said something like, oh, what do you think about Qui-Gon dying? Aww. And I'm like, he just, it wasn't malicious on his part. He had just assumed that I also had read this, but I, I don't think I talked to him for like a week. I was so pissed. John. So pissed. Like, I feel a little bit angry now just talking about it. And I don't care about those movies, but I'm still getting a little bit angry about having it swelled for me. Oh. <laughs> oh, John. Poor John. He just didn't know. <laughs> So we're maybe getting a trailer in a week. That seems to be what we're hearing. What was that? We're maybe getting a trailer in a week. Oh, yeah. Sorry, you were cutting out a little bit. Yeah, so apparently we're getting a trailer. And I don't want to brag about how I was correct that we were going to get a trailer during Monday Night Football, but hey guys, I was correct, and we're going to get a trailer during Monday Night Football, because I called that marketing thing, because hell yeah, my brain was correct, but I'm excited. <clears throat> I gotta be honest, though, I 
wasn't a big fan of the Force Awakens trailer that they released during um, the Monday Night Football in 2015. I don't know why. I just didn't like that trailer so much. I just think that after hearing that Han Solo quote when he says it's true, all of it, I hated that so much. I just didn't associate those words with something that Harrison Ford or Han Solo would say. So I was like, oh, no, Like I really hope that they write Han Solo well in this film. And I was correct. But I don't know. Like, there's some things in that trailer that I thought were just a little too, like, extreme. Or especially with Rogue One 2. Because they they were doing that with Rogue One where they would show a bunch of scenes that never made it into the film. So with these trailers, I kind of just don't know what to expect anymore. Like, you know, you watch them and you're like, all right, am I really going to see this in the movie? Like, you know, the lightsaber handoff from Moss to Leia. We never saw that. I'm trying to think of another thing that we didn't see. Oh, yeah, of Kylo Ren walking in the snow and him igniting his lightsaber. We never saw that. But that was a trailer, like, in, like, late 2014, I believe, or 13. I don't know. I think it was 2014. But Yeah, I mean, hopefully the movie being completely done means we'll get an honest trailer. Yeah, you're right. And also, they got a lot of shit for Rogue One trailer. Oh, yeah. So, I just, I mean, I don't mind if there's slight changes, and I understand stuff like that can happen, but if you have a completely wrapped movie, it it shouldn't happen. I agree. I... (sighs) But, I don't know, do you want to do some, like... And like, what do you think we're gonna see in the trailer? Kind of talk, or I, I, I feel it will be, um, not a ton of stuff. I think it'll be a lot of sort of quick flashes of everybody, mm-hmm. just sort of touching in on each of the storylines. Um, we're gonna see a little bit. Of a lightsaber battle of some sort. We're going to see... I mean, all the standard Star stuff. We're going to see people running for ships. We're going to see a couple of... uh, Like, brief shots of space battles. I suspect we might see Snoke. Ooh, that's Um, a thought. Maybe even as sort of like the last shot. I was thinking the last shot would be Leia. That could be. Because that's obviously something that a lot of people are not dreading going into The Last Jedi, but one of the things that are going to be on their mind is that this is the last time we're going to see General Leia. So ending a trailer with her doing something or her saying something, like that would just tug the heartstrings of so many people. Kind of like the Chewy were home kind of thing. But I don't know if they'll do that this round. But I was almost thinking, too, like, are we going to have a big lightsaber duel in this film? Um, I think we're going to see. I think we will. Um, I, I mean, first, because it's a Star Wars movie and we kind of have to. Um, I think it might not be huge in terms of it might not be Ray and Kylo 
it, it might be Ray fighting the Praetorian guards. And whether she'd be, I mean, maybe she'd be using her staff there. But I figure she's getting some lightsaber training, no matter how reluctant Luke is. Um, I think he's going to realize that he has to at least make it so she can defend herself. So it might not be like a major inter, it might not be, you know, Luke v. Vader, but I mean, they've got to have something. Yeah. I don't know, though. Do you think that this is going to be the best Star Wars trailer that we're going to ever see? I don't know, because I think, I think... <laughs> no. <laughs> I no, love no, it. No, because here's, here's no, I is, is for me, it, it can't compare to how I felt with that first teaser we saw for The Force Awakens. Yeah, I agree. Because when you're getting when you're getting Star Wars back every year, even if it's an amazing trailer, it doesn't have the same emotional impact as seeing the Millennium Falcon for the first time. You know, like that's in thirty years. Like that's that's huge. Yeah, going back to, you know, our favorite trailers, I definitely think that, you know, seeing Han Solo in the Chewie Were Home trailer, I think that just that got it for me, like that buzzed in my head that Star Wars, like, it's coming back, and it's it's going to be here soon, and I didn't really, I don't know if it just, like, processed in my head that, okay, like, we're going to see a Star Wars movie, because a bunch of people that knew me back then, like, knew I was really into Star Wars, and they'd always be like, oh, how do you feel about the new Star Wars movie? And I'd always, you know, kind of push it aside, be like, yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be good, but I think after that trailer, seeing that, I was like, all right, I'm in. This is what I signed up for. Take my money, Lucasfilm. Take it right now. I'm going to give it to you. <laughs> But and then are they going to sell uh, tickets soon too? I think we'll see an announcement with the trailer. I think I think the trailer will end with the ticket on sale date. <laughs> are you going go to go? Hopefully, oh, sorry, you go. And I was going to say, hopefully, I can actually like get fucking tickets, and Fandango doesn't crash again. Dude, I got those tickets before Fandango crash. I was on it. I'm always on it during those kind of kind of things. But are you gonna go to one of those theaters where it's like selected seating or? Yeah. Um. First viewing, I'm I'm probably gonna do IMAX. Um, oh, okay. because I don't know. That's how I saw both Force Awakens and Rogue One for the first time. And I really liked that. Um, and then then I'll do some other showings later. But yeah, I mean, reserve seating is a must just because, especially if I'm doing opening night, I, I can't line up all day. Because I have to go to work. I usually request work off <laughs> because 
<laughs> I'm pathetic. And my job is really cool with it. Like, I request time off, you know, every now and then. Like, I request it off, you know, this weekend. And they're like, all right, Brittany, thanks. Because I had to cover for something earlier that week. And they're like, thanks, Brittany. We really appreciate you. And I'm like, hell yeah, work. But, yeah, usually I request it off. And my brother and I get our old lawn chairs. We wait out. And it's a really fun thing that my brother and I have been doing the past couple of years. And, you know, we get Mexican food and wait and we talk to people online and then our parents show up like at 630. But, you know, then we like save the seats and we're like probably like that second or third people in line because we get in line around like 12 o'clock. And surprisingly in San Diego, I don't think or where I live in San Diego, there aren't a lot of Star Wars fans that want to go exactly at 7 o'clock because I don't see the IMAX or anything because I can't do that 3D shit either. That gives me a headache. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And my parents definitely won't. They're very picky on what movies they want to see or what kinds of movies. But it's it's always a fun time, but I'm only a little worried because uh, as I was telling last week, you know, about how I was talking to my teacher about <laughs> making my final a different day, but I don't know. I think that should be fine. I worry about shit all the time like that. So it should be fine. But I want to see that movie exactly when it comes out, like at 7 PM on Thursday night. That's when I will be there. But the thing with you is, is that, you know, you, New York time, you're going to see that movie before I am. Yeah, but I mean, think how much sooner, like, fucking Australia is getting it. Dude, fuck Australia. No, okay. <laughs> especially, especially, especially if it's like the last few movies where they're not only, like, time difference are getting it ahead of us, but also are getting it like a day or two before us just on actual release date. Which is bullshit. Don't do that, guys, because then the internet becomes... Like a minefield. Yeah, I just... I don't want to have to avoid everything on the internet for two solid days. Exactly. Like, I don't even know what people say, but... Because Rogue One... When I started hearing about what people were saying about Rogue One and seeing how it was rated on Rotten Tomatoes, I don't even want to know that, like, with this movie... So I don't know how I'm going to do it because I already know about a lot of people that we know we're friends with and a lot of people on the internet are going to talk about, you know, what it's rated, you know, what people are saying. And I, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah, I'm just going to go on lockdown. Like there's people, there's people I know I can trust. Like I know, I know Steele's really good about that shit. Because he he has sort of the same mentality, but again, like I don't even want to know if people like it, so I might have to just not open no. Twitter. And the for thing a couple I'm worried days. about too is, you know, like all of our friends, like when is going to be the proper time that we can talk about this movie? You know, like when can we start saying, "All right, this is what I think." It's probably going to take like a day or two for us to be like all right so this is what we have to say about the film and all that fun stuff so i think past i think after opening weekend then i mean obviously 
you shouldn't be obnoxious about spoilers, but I think it's okay to be like, oh, I really loved it, and I loved yeah. such and such, I'm good you know, vague, if you're so. pretty vague. God, I wonder if there's going to be, like, a big, like, what the fuck moment, kind of like with this, or with uh, The Force Awakens, you know, finding out about Han, and, you know, how he has a son named Kylo Ben, so... I don't know. I feel like we're going to find out something that's going to make us go, what the fuck? But I don't know. I'm excited, though. Yeah, I, I feel like that's going to be our end. I have no idea what it's going to be, but that's going to be whatever it is. Like, that's going to be the end of the movie. And then it's going to be like, have a fun two years. Damn it. I hate when they do that to us. It's like the worst relationship you can be in. Is like, like That's just the biggest tease. Is, All right, you have this, but now you have to wait another two years for another two and a half hours. <laughs> like, no. I want it all now. But the best part about this is that we're going to get Han Solo. And we're going to get a Han Solo trailer during, you know, the trailers of this film. So... I'm almost just excited, but I'm, like, overly excited for Han Solo because I'm crazy, and... Now, I might be alone in this, but I don't want a Han Solo trailer in front of The Last Jedi. I I think I would find it too distracting. Like, I want to focus on the Star Wars that's in front of me. That's a that's a good thought. I mean, obviously, we're going to, you know, if you see the trailer and then you're watching the movie, you're going to be thinking, like, a back of your head, like, oh, God, the Han Solo trailer. But it's like I'm watching Star Wars. But it's like, oh, God, it's like so much Star Wars at once. It's kind of like a Star Wars sandwich. Like, you're in the middle of a Star Wars sandwich and, like, you don't know what to do. Yeah, I just, I, I think it, I don't know, I just, it's sort of, the idea of it, I find a little bit overwhelming. But in other, I mean, there's not really any other Star Wars news. Um, we, Ron Howard tweeted the a picture and said something about a spicy time, which would seem to indicate we're going to get the <laughs> castle run, which everybody sort of assumed we were going to get anyway. Um, I, I don't want it, but whatever. <laughs> what would you want instead of the castle run, though? Something that we don't know about. Something that I haven't spent, you know, that I haven't thought about since I was six years old. That I have, like, my own ideas about, and I don't... I don't know, I just, I don't know. I, I feel like I don't need everything in the past explained to me. Like, give me some new shit. Because yeah, what like, if it's lame? What even is a Kessel Run? Like, is it like you fly ship through like an asteroid belt and you're like, all right, ready, set, go. And then you just race. It's like kind of like the Space Olympics or something. But I almost want to know who did the Kessel Run in like 14 parsecs or I don't know how the parsecs it's like the more parsecs the better or I think 12 is like a really good number 
Well, I mean, and this is one of those annoying Star Wars things that people have, like, sort of retconned, which is that when it's said, you know, he did it in, in 12 Parsecs, it's, it's said in a way that sounds as if Parsec is a unit of time when it's a unit of distance. And so it becomes, I guess, like a shorter route. But it is, you know, it's the castle is the is like the spice mines, and so it's a big smuggling thing. Yeah, the whole time and distance thing. I don't know. I've never been one of those people that's like it's distance or it's time. Like it could be either or. Like I'm fine with it, you know. If it's time, it's time. Like cool. If it's distance, all right, cool. So. I don't know. I don't know. But do you want to talk about the resolution stills? Yeah. Um. There's a bunch of new high-res photos that got released. Um, some of them are behind the scenes shots some of them are either promotional stills or or straight from the film um there's some really pretty stuff in it there's some gorgeous shots of ray and like some dramatic like character shots with with kylo yeah i i had like some of these pictures kind of you know like they were kind of the highlight but a lot of these pictures we've seen before but there are about seven or eight of them that we haven't seen but i noticed in the ones that i was taking notes about all these people look so damn worried like here you have like you have phasma and the first order troopers then you have luke having looking worried and then you have you know you have general hux looking worried with his new awesome ginger haircut which go hux and you have Finn and Rose looking at each other like they want to punch each other, which is, or she looks like she wants to hit him, which is kind of funny. Like, we're going to have that, like, Leia moment of, like, her getting pissed off at Han. Like, we're going to get, like, Rose pissed off at Finn for some reason, because Finn's just such a lovable doofus. But I think, I'm trying to think of what my favorite picture was. I think it was between that Finn and Rose looking at each other. Yeah, that's really intense. I love it. And then I love the little Chewie and with Ryan picture. Like Chewie kind of like directing or Ryan kind of directing Chewie. <laughs> what if it was the other way around? Like Chewie just directing Ryan. All right, Ryan, this is what you're doing. <laughs> but I don't know. There are some good pictures. What was your favorite? Um, I really, there's one which is like, it's like raised back. And you have like the really desolate landscape. Mm. I think that's really pretty. Um, the one that we've seen before, but I'm happy to have really high res, which is when Ray's looking at, at Luke and he's in his hut. And then there's a couple like behind the scenes one with Carrie. And those are just immediately always going to be my favorite. I love her costume in this um in those pictures. Oh my god, it's amazing. It's beautiful. She just, and her hair too. She just looks so beautiful. But. It's this great, like, really 
like regal. regal. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Regal look to it. But I like the one. I like the one of Hux because I, I, I kind of dig him. Um, and then there's like Poe, like like running down a corridor, and Oscar <laughs> Isaac is a beautiful, beautiful man. So I'm never gonna complain about that. Beautiful people in Star Wars, but yeah, Hux is, is Hux your new guy? Uh, maybe. <laughs> I mean, really, Poe is my new guy. Um, I feel slightly weird that it's a good guy, but that might change depending on how much we see of Hux in this movie. Like, if we get a little bit more Hux than we did last time, Hux would totally become my guy. I like. I like Hux. Like, I like his little snarky remarks to Kylo Ren, like, careful, Ren, or talking about the clone army. Or was that him that asked, like, oh, like, should we just get a clone army? Like, I thought that was, like, a really good burn. He's great. But. And um, I just read, um, I just read the Phasma novel, and he's not, oh. in it a, he's not in it a lot. He just comes in towards the end, but he is such a dick to an amazing level of dickery and I won't get into spoilers but it's fairly intense Ooh. great sort of segue to that so you read that book and without getting it giving any spoilers yet which maybe we'll give out next week or the week after I don't know how was it um I kind of have mixed feelings in it in that I feel like it's a pretty enjoyable book, but it's not quite what I thought it was going to be. Which is, in the, these other books it, that were, I mean, especially a book that's named Phasma, I expected it to be from her point of view. And none of the stories told from her point of view at all. It's all the, the setup, and this isn't really a spoiler because this is like from the very beginning of the book, is. There is a um, New Republic spy who's been captured by this First Order dude who hates Phasma, and he's looking for dirt on her. And so he starts he starts interrogating this spy who has information about her. And so then you get the interactions between those two, and then intercut with the story of Phasma's origins. Oh, fun. You know, I really, I really liked all the stuff in the interrogation. I thought both of those characters were really interesting, and I could read a whole other book about them. And some of the Phasma stuff is really interesting too. I just wish, I wish we had seen it at least partially from her perspective, because I feel like I still can't really get a hold of the character. Like, I know what her motivations are on paper, but even after reading an entire book about her, it doesn't really resonate. And I'm somebody who likes to feel at least some conflicted sympathy for the bad guys. And I, I came out of Phasma with none of that. Yeah, that's interesting. I almost think, you know, a book titled about the character, you'd actually learn about the character and it'd be in the character's point of view. And that's why I've, I think I've heard a lot of mixed reviews on this book was because of exactly what you're saying. 
but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it's like you, we, you, you learn a lot of, about the events of her life, but it's all from the perspective of other characters. And, and that's not necessarily a failure of the book, because if that's what the book wanted to accomplish, that's fine. It just, for me personally, it's not quite what I wanted it to be. But there's some interesting stuff in there. There's some, um, there's some cool stuff in terms of just sort of interesting plot points and interesting things going on in this planet that she's from. Uh, there's a couple of, in my mind, fairly gaping plot holes that, that really stuck out to me. But overall, I enjoyed it. I, I didn't love it. It's certainly not, like, my favorite Star Wars book. But I didn't hate it. That's good that you didn't hate it. And there's kind of, like, an in-between. Yeah, and I'll do, I'll do the Leia book next, I think. Ooh, I'm excited for you to read that. I've yeah, and then um, From a Certain Point of View comes out in, like, a week, so. Oh, yes. Boba's back, boy. What was it? <laughs> Fett's back, boys, or something. Or... Oh, God. <laughs> and my name's Obi-Wan Kenobi, and I'm dead. Can't wait oh, for those stories. Oh, dear. Can't but. wait. Uh, let's see. I watched some Clone Wars. Eh. I watched uh, uh, Trespass, which is they're like on this ice planet because they've they've lost contact with one of their clone bases there, and it's supposedly an uninhabited planet, but it turns out that it's. Inhabited by the Atals, which is actually what Muftok is. Yeah. But they're sort of this isolated tribe. And there's this, like, there's a nearby moon that is inhabited and is, like, part of the Republic. And there's this dick chairman of that planet who's down with them. And he tries to claim sovereignty over this planet, saying that this alien species are just, like, animals. And Obi-Wan and Anakin are like, no, dude, they're people. We talk with them. But then <laughs> that dick guy gets killed. And there's a senator from that moon. And she makes peace with them. It was fine. There was lots of fight scenes, which isn't my favorite part. Especially when they're not <laughs> lightsaber fight scenes. <laughs> Hell but, yeah, Senator Chuchi. But for me, the more interesting one was the hidden enemy. Because this is the one where they find out that there's a spy clone who has been feeding information to the Separatists. Oh. And I sort of got really interested in that because he has this, this speech at the end where he's talking about how the clones are all basically enslaved by the Jedi and by the Republic. And that by, even though, you know, he technically betrayed his clone brothers, he was doing it because he wanted them free from the rule that they're under. 
And I don't know, the episode just sort of like rushes through that ending. But that was the part where I'm like, wait, no, that's that's like a whole thing that you need to explore. Because that's a pretty big deal. Yeah, the thing about having only 30-minute episodes with something like that is they rush through so much. Like, I, I know what you're talking about, that one episode. And I remember going back and watching that episode and, like, remembering the previous time I'd watched it. Like, it seemed bigger to me. But you are right. Like, it's so rushed. And they had a really good point with that part, too. But did you know that... So you kind of got the understanding that this was kind of before the Clone Wars movie. I didn't understand that. I read it, and then I'm like, okay. I This timeline is ridiculous. Who does a show like that? It's a bad way to do a show. George, our Lord and Savior, George. I, mean, I think Dave had something to do with it, too. I mean, you can, I feel like you can do... <clears throat> You can do different seasons in different times, but the fact that the episodes are all jumbled up it, it drives me batty because there's no there's no like touchstone. Like I only know when things are happening because the Star Wars Wikipedia tells me when things are happening. Thank God for Wikipedia, but I know that's kind of confusing, but. I almost like it because it's something different and something that, you know, it's kind of like, you know, how we were given Star Wars, you know, that weird reverse order. But I almost wish that they would have just done this like, okay, like one instead of what they're doing, like one episode is in the future and one episode was, oh, yeah, it was before this thing happened. But season two, they do that a lot and it gets really confusing. I feel like they just don't do a very good job of setting it up. And I feel like if they if they set those episodes in place a little bit more, like, you know what, fine, hold my hand, like, outright tell me when it's happening. <laughs> hold Emily's hand. <laughs> also, <That's funny>. also, <laughs> I don't know why this stood out to me so much. I tweeted this today. But when they're in the clone, like, they're in the clone barracks, um, Anakin and Obi-Wan, and they're, like, interrogating these clones because they know, oh, it's one of this particular regiment of clones who's a spy. And mm -hmm. in the background, really prominently, for, like, five minutes of this episode, <laughs> there's this... It's a little bit fuzzy, but it's obviously, like, a pinup girl, like, in a poster. And it raised so many questions for me in terms of the clone army, especially... Like this, like this spy was saying, which is that they're all sort of enslaved and just doing the bidding of their public. And, and so I'm like, do they, do they have leave? Do they ever have time off? Because this guy was supposedly betraying his friends partially for freedom, but partially because Ventress was paying him a bunch of money. And I'm like, well, when are you, when are you going to spend money? You're in this army. I mean, I understand, like, in the normal army, you have, like, you can have seriously long deployments. But do the Clone Wars ever have leave? Or are they just always in the war until they get killed? I can kind of answer that question. Because it's kind of revealed, you know, during the seasons. Like, I remember one episode, there were some off-duty clones, and they were at a bar. It almost looked like a strip 
bar kind of because you can see the i know what you're talking about the pinup girl and it's like a twilight right because it's kind of based off of what the pinup girls painted on you know certain ships or certain planes like am i right i mean i can't quite i i thought it was a twilight i couldn't quite tell but it's in that pose yeah and she's wearing like store clone trooper you know tube top and or clone trooper bikini thing but yeah i um they were they had like kind of like off time like sometimes like they take their breaks on curacao i think curacao was like where like their main base was okay and yeah because you know there'd be some you know parts of the show or some seasons like when ahsoka and some other jedi would be doing things and they'd see off-duty clones you know hanging out getting drunk at a bar or something because clones are like people too and they are probably alcoholics but i don't know but that's funny that that stood out to you you know i mean it's there it's there for a long time and i'm like i don't know i mean i thought it was funny but i also just like immediately like started thinking of all the implications of having this clone army that's not really voluntary and I started to get very bothered well I'm glad you're feeling some sort of emotion but oh also there's a character in this episode called General Loathsome and I got super annoyed by that (laughs) stop it with that shit oh my god I hate it it's like in the Phasma book they have like a couple lines that quote the Anakin sand thing, like almost verbatim. No, oh, leave that. that cutesy. Like I fucking, I hate it. I hate that cutesy wink, wink bullshit. But General Loathsome, I mean, that's even worse than some of the others. Like I feel that's much worse than even like Sidious, and and, and some of those guys because it's just so blatant. Well, you haven't met Mas- Jedi Master Amagundai yet, so. You told me about that, and I still have decided to refuse to believe it. <laughs> You're gonna watch the episode, and general like they're gonna call him like General Die, and then that's not even gonna hit your head. And then you're gonna look up that person or that episode on Wikipedia, and you'll be like, "God damn it, Brittany!" And then because I didn't realize that until I was watching um those Alex from Star Wars Explained videos, he did like um facts from this season from the clone wars and one of them was that season he's like did you know that this jedi master's name was this i love alex alex wherever you are i love your videos they're great but when he revealed that fact i was like i did not i can't believe that i didn't i didn't notice that until he said that but good content sweet sweet star wars names gotta love it so let's let's go to our top three this week. Um, this one comes from our buddy Rashad in the Rogue One Army DM chat, and he suggested our top three lightsaber fights. Yes, which is yes, fun because yes. it meant that I went and watched lots of lightsaber fights. <laughs> is it bad that I already like knew mine? I didn't oh, I have mine. to like go back and watch. Okay, like, I, just, like, I went, went through. Back I went through some just to be like, okay, is there something obvious that I'm forgetting? 
But my top three was my top three, like, even after I watched everything. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. All right, so do you want to go first? Sure. All right. So my number three is Luke versus Vader in episode six. I feel like there was more emotion in this fight than there was, you know, dueling with the lightsabers. And like all of these, I look at, you know, the emotions and the reveals, you know, during these battles. Like this one was like the reveal that Luke had a twin sister. And after that confrontation with Vader, when Vader says, you won't turn, but perhaps she will. And you see that anger side of Luke. I was almost haunting with the music. Like you have like the Emperor's theme music as Luke is like swinging his lightsaber at Vader. I just, I felt uh, so much emotion from Luke and kind of not really from Vader until the very end when, you know, he's on the ground with his arm cut off because of Luke or his robot arm. And I don't know that lightsaber battle is probably one of my favorites, but the least choreographed ones are kind of my favorite. Like for some reason, but for some reason, uh, the one for the force awakens just isn't, didn't make the list, but it's still a good one. But my second one is Luke versus Vader in episode five. And I look at this, you know, from Luke's point of view, like he's obviously very defensive and he doesn't know what he's going to expect, you know, battling someone like Vader. Like you look at what he went into, you know, the very beginning of this fight versus after, like you see just Luke's emotions and Luke's changed throughout this fight. And you just see a bunch of fear in him. Because this one was the battle of fear. And the one in episode 6 was you see lots of anger. Like he was trying to stay calm. And there was a big change in Luke during Return of the Jedi. But in Empire Strikes Back you see he's very, not vulnerable, but he's just very clueless too. And you get the reveal of the parentage. And that's a really big deal. And to Vader... This is just a walk in the park. I think kind of the most haunting thing about this fight, too, is that Vader's not even trying. Mm -hmm. You don't see a lot from Vader. You know, he's just, all right, he's kind of, you know, defensive. And Luke's kind of the one, like, putting his all into it because you see him at the very end. And he looks like he's just been punched a thousand times. Like, you see the blood. You see his ripped uniform outfit thing, whatever he's wearing. And god it's just so hard to see luke but <clears throat> and my number one lightsaber battle was anakin versus obi-wan in revenge of the sith this one this one hits very close to home because this was probably one of the very first lightsaber battles i had seen like on the big screen and seeing something as beautifully choreographed as this and you have you know the score that john Williams did which was beautiful you have you know emotion for both sides you have Anakin you know seduced by the dark side here of Obi-Wan you know so heartbroken that he has to battle his best friend but he has to do it because the fallen the Republic has fallen and him and Yoda to him to his knowledge are the only Jedi left and defeating Vader will stop whatever is about to come, but unfortunately it doesn't happen. Or, I don't know. I, I'm i always wondering, like, when 
Obi-Wan sliced Darth Vader after he had the high ground. Like, do you think that he thought it would kill Vader? Or did he think that, all right, this is going to mortally wound him and I should just walk away now? I mean, I don't know. Like, if he just thought it was going to mortally wound him and he was going to die slowly and suffer, that's kind of fucked up. It is. You know, the mindset of Obi-Wan is something that is not really talked about a lot. You know, especially Ewan McGregor. He doesn't really, like, you have those interviews, you know, during, like, you know, the bonus features of the movies. But I don't really remember hearing him talk about, you know, a lot of Obi-Wan. Like, you, I, I remember hearing a lot of Hayden talk about, you know, Anakin and how Anakin felt, you know, during before. But you can kind of tell, you know, and... I referenced the Revenge of the Sith model or novel because that's one of my favorite novels of all time. But you definitely get, you know, Anakin, obviously, you get a lot of anger because he's angry that his wife turned against him, that Obi-Wan turned against him, the whole Republic and everyone is against him. And finally, he has a chance to stand up against what he thinks is hate from everyone else. And he truly feels like he is you know he's lord vader he's in charge of everything and that obi-wan was going to come in and possibly defeat all of that he was in major defense mode and was like all right i'm going to take control of the situation but then again this lightsaber duel was just wonderful you know you have it on the volcano planet and you have all the lava like even though most of this will all of it was like cgi just you can see the emotion and the choreography was just beautiful for it. I believe that it was Hayden and Ewan McGregor that did the choreography for this battle. So props to them because I know there were a lot of issues with Mark Hamill and David <laughs> Prowse. <laughs> because David Prowse lied and said that he was able to do chore- choregra- or choreography for these battles, but they had to bring in some other guy because David Prowse is a liar. That's my understanding. I could be wrong but I'm not apologizing to David Prowse because it's David Prowse. But anyways, Emily, what are your top three lightsaber duels? Number three is probably the, the Darth Maul Qui-Gon fight. Uh, I mean, uh, Ray Park is a fantastic, stunt guy and like his his moves are so great and and Darth Maul is such a distinctive looking character and the fact that he had the the double-edged lightsaber that was seen for the first time in the movies I just I think that's a great fight and the the music in that scene is awesome um my number two is the Obi-Wan versus Vader and A New Hope. It's such an iconic scene. And it's not, like, it's not, you know, the most graceful or interesting fight to watch in terms of the choreography of it. But, I mean, first of all, it's really, like, our first big lightsaber battle. And also, the, the end of it, when when Al Guinness, you know, turns off the lightsaber, it's such a beautiful scene. Especially watching it now with the backstory of those characters. 
And then number one is the the Luke Vader uh, Empire Strikes Back, like up in Cloud City. Like that's such a cool fight. It's so gritty. It's such a dirty like yeah. fight. Like you said, like Vader doesn't even really have to be trying. It's not until Luke gets in a hit, the Vader's like, "No, nah, fuck this. I'm gonna get this done." And then of course. The fact that that fight goes into the reveal and then Luke's drop. Like, everything there is so intense and scary and emotional. Yeah, the one thing about that fight, too, is Luke is so bold at the very end because he looks at that fall right after Vader confesses his parentage. And the fact that Luke chose to possibly commit suicide over dealing or to joining Vader, I think that's so brave of Luke. Like, he knows what kind of person he is, and he knows that he's a good person, and that he would rather die than join the dark side. Like, you, you have to think about that. You have to think that he knew that there was a possibility that he could have died from that fall. Another thing, too, that whole battle was just haunting, like... Yeah, and the fact that you know you're sort of like up on this like catwalk and the, like everything about that, the setting, it's just a cool like place to have a fight. It is. Now we have, for the first time, some voicemails. Yay! It's very exciting. Now, okay, we have one from Richie from Boston. I haven't listened to this yet. I'm slightly worried. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, Richie, if you guys don't know, he does an awesome podcast slash show with our friend Ollie. And it's called The Richie and Ollie Show. You can find it on YouTube or on iTunes. And I swear to God, it's fantastic. It's one of the greatest things I've listened to or watched in the past couple of months. Like, their chemistry together is beautiful and they don't talk about only star wars but they talk about other topics like i sent in a question about my good friend taylor swift and other people are talking about like weezer and other movies and it's really good just their content is great like they don't care about offending people (laughs) which is awesome but and they just say whatever comes to mind so i definitely recommend you checking them out because it's some really good shit but anyways yeah you can also they're they're part of our network now so they're on radio free podcasting so you can also go there and sort of find links to everything yes awesome we're podcast siblings yeah all right so let's hear what richie has to say for (laughs) three minutes and 20 (laughs) seconds jesus christ of course oh fuck all right let's go it seems like every time I change my underpants, there's a new Star Wars podcast out. It's a good thing this time I chose to wear my lacy pink booty shorts. Oh, hey, it's the Canto Bite Dispatch. What's up, ladies? It's your buddy Richie. So, given all the like the the JJ news and the and the you know some of the other stuff that's happened lately, especially with the the Admiral Holdo announcement as the first gay character in Star Wars. 
You know, one of the things I wanted to talk about is, very briefly, I'm very glad that a skilled writer like Ryan Johnson is doing it because I think I think that, that he might actually win some hearts and minds. And, you know, I think that's important in when you talk about equal rights and whatnot. And, you know... I, I, you know, I'm, I'm happy with the news that Ryan Johnson is doing it, and it got me thinking about Chuck Wendig, because, oh man, if Chuck Wendig had his fucking chance to do something like that, I mean, that guy's not skilled at all, he'd have a fucking orgy at the beginning of every fucking movie, it'd be like Caligula or something, and you'd be like, what the fuck am I watching, and it would turn more people off, so, you know, one of the things that I like about Chuck Wendig, though, is the way he handled Mon Mothma. And I wanted to ask you guys a question about her. Because, like, to me, it seems like... Now, I haven't read much of the new canon beyond the first Aftermath, um, Tarkin, and a couple of other books. But it seems to me that Mon Mothma is a lot like George Washington. Now, somebody like me, I love history. I love this country. I can trace my ancestry back 400 years in Massachusetts alone. And I just, I love the history of it, especially George Washington, because of his character, his intelligence, his, you know, his faith. There's so many things about George Washington that are great that I read in when I, when I read Mon Mothma in these books, that's what I read. I mean, there's no doubt that, you know, after she retired from politics, the republic collapsed. And it reminds me a lot of Washington. You know, Washington said, um... They kept asking him to come back. He just wanted to retire to Mount Vernon. They were like, no, you got to come back. We need you. And he was like, have I not done enough for my country? And then, you know, they asked, they had him come back for the Constitutional Convention. He was like, you know, people were arguing, bitching and bickering. He's like, well, you know, let's raise a stand, the, the standard to which the wise and just can repair. And the rest is in the hands of God. He was always looking to up the standard. And I feel like that's Mon Mothma in a nutshell if you had a chance to either write or read a book about mon mothma number one would you write her and what would you write about her and number two if somebody else wrote her what would you want to see in a mon mothma book because the way they portray her i want to see more out of this character all right i think that's all i got this week take care All righty. <laughs> that was awesome. That was a great start to our voicemails. Yeah, honestly, like, I wasn't even planning on doing them for a couple more weeks, but then R Richie tweeted me asking if we were accepting them, and I'm like, okay, I guess I'll figure <laughs> it out. And apparently the way I figured out to do it was just play it on my phone directly into the microphone. So we'll see. We'll see how it sounds. Yeah, that was perfect. But it sounded good to me, so... Okay, then it should sound fine in the recording. Yeah. Um, okay, Richie. You and I can have a fight about Chuck Wendig on another day. Because um, <laughs> I fucking love that dude, even, even though I think the first Aftermath book is not very good. But I fucking love Mon Mothma. I think she's such a fascinating character. And really in a lot of ways, a, a rather tragic character. And that this is, a, this is a woman who basically gave up 
any sort of, of life she could have for the rebellion and then and for the for the new republic uh, a very principled politician who saw what was going on and couldn't couldn't stand for it anymore even though she knew that meant going on the run and leaving her life behind her and she is like i mean i think the the george washington comparison is really an interesting one and i think it's it's pretty apt and that she is very intelligent and really strong and able to bring out the i'm trying to think how to say it. i think you know to, to, to like like what you said to raise the standard to make it what it could be um and unfortunately we see a lot of resistance to that from people around her who all have have their own ideas and their own aims but to me she's such a noble character um if i if i i mean i'd god i'd love to write her like actually write her not write her in a horrible porn fan fiction it wasn't horrible well, no, it was horrible, and that and that it was supposed to be horrible. But I mean, she, she's not really. There's not really characters in that, in so far as there's just people having sex. But <laughs> I, I'd like to see. Well, actually, I, I mean, I sort of like to have like an autobiography of Mon Mothma. That's what I'd like to see. I'd want an entire overview of everything like an epic story. I'd like to see exactly her struggle in detail when she found out, you know, that the Empire wasn't something to be trusted. Sort of the sacrifices she made there. I'd like to, I'd like to get into Mon Mothma's personal life. I don't think she necessarily has much of one because, uh, I mean... Reading, reading the rebellion doesn't leave you with a ton of free time, I'd imagine. But I, I like to think that she had people who she loved and cared about, and I'd like to see that explored. And I'd like to sort of see what happens afterwards. I mean, we did, we did see some of this in aftermath and some other stuff, and sort of when she's trying to be out of it, and everything sort of goes to shit. I'd really like to explore that in more detail, though, and, like, really get into her head. Wow. Yeah. I don't think I would want to write a book about Mon Mothma, Mothma because I don't know about my writing skills and, and, you know, writing about a Star Wars character because there's a lot into going in, or there's a lot going into that. You know, you have to know that character so well that you have to, uh, you know, create scenarios and create, you know, conversations with other people. And it's not that I don't know Mon Mothma that well. It just, I feel like I w- wouldn't be the best at it. Like someone like Emily, I could totally, or I definitely would want to see her write about Mon Mothma because she respects and <clears throat> she's really interested in a character like her, which I think that's awesome. Like, I really like Mon Mothma. She's not my, she's not my favorite character, but 
she's a really interesting character. Like, you know, she started off like a senator like Padme. And, you know, there are a lot of are deleted scenes from Revenge of the Sith when they're talking about, you know, uh, Chancellor Palpatine and how he was, you know, given these like immediate powers. And they were kind of suspecting that something was wrong. And, you know, I'd want to read a book about, you know, starting off from that point, because I know that she had a lot of, you know, personal relationships with these with these characters like she obviously knew Bail Organa and Padme Amidala I would have liked to see you know what she thought of these people and you know all her friends started disappearing so I wanted to see like how that would have affected her like that probably you know affected her so much that she wanted to keep on wanting to work for you know what's now or what was called the rebellion and to overthrow not overthrow but to you know get rid of the empire and I don't know. Let's see. I was trying to think of like what kind of book I would want this to be. Obviously, like probably kind of like autobiography thing. But I just want to know more about this character. I want to know, you know, like how she became the person that she is known to Star Wars. Like something about, you know, her being empowering and her making history for the galaxy. Like I'd love to see something like that because there aren't a lot of people that stood up to the Empire that survived. She was one of like the, excuse me, the rare few. And seeing a story about that would be so great. And I would, I'd probably read that. I don't really read a lot of Star Wars novels, but something about Mon Mothma and her, you know, standing up to the Empire or what other person, I definitely want to read that. Yeah, and I think, I mean, I don't watch, I don't know, I don't watch Rebels, and I know she's been in that some, but I'd love, I'd love a book to really focus on those those early days of the rebellion i'd love to see like a really deep dive into when you had like the sagarera split oh yeah because i think there's 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 a lot of really interesting stuff there that you, you do especially especially in a book to really focus on the rebellion figuring out their own ideals and what methods they were willing to use and what was a step too far because she she mon mothma is somebody who has i mean not happily with a lot of reluctance but she sent a lot of people to their deaths you know she sent a lot of people on missions that she knew they wouldn't come back from. And I think there's, I think there's a lot you could explore there. Hmm. Yeah. Like you're talking about like when she was on Rebels too. And we, I feel like, you know, something like Rebels for her to be on, it doesn't diminish her as a character, but I feel like, you know, a show like Rebels, like it, downplays the seriousness of you know what's going on in the galaxy like to star wars rebels whatever happened in the galaxy like it was ezra bridger and he saves the day like no like there's a whole bigger story what's going on like there's obviously the you know the political side of the empire and that's what a lot of people were serving for the longest time until mon mothma stood up and said i'm not doing this anymore like chancellor or emperor palpatine is corrupt and look what he's done like they were jedi and now there's not because of something that happened between him and the jedi like it was never really discussed that it was only it was only mentioned that 
someone had disfigured the Emperor. And that's why we were all against the Jedi. So I'd love to hear something about, you know, what she thought about that, too. Because it was kind of mentioned in Rebels. But then again, it's just Rebels. It's a kid's show. But then again, a bunch of adults watch it. We critique it because it's Rebels. And no offense, but it sucks sometimes. But sometimes it's good. But I don't know. That's my take on Mothma, but that's a really, really good question. That had me think about a character like her because I almost thought, you know, before, you know, meeting everyone and listening to all these different podcasts, I almost thought of Moth Mothma as like a background character because you only see her in one movie. You know, her, you know, explaining about how many Bothans died to get the plans of the Death Star too. But then we see her in Rogue One and I listen to Emily's beautiful erotic fan fiction and you know I found a lot I found out a lot about Mon Mothma and I'm really glad I have like she's such an important character to this whole plot of Star Wars because she was one of the few to stand up to the Empire and survive like she's obviously brave like she knew that a bunch of people around her had died trying to do this so (coughs) excuse me go Mothma yeah thanks Richie Now, we also have one from King Tom, king of all Toms. Yes. I love King Tom. He's the best. Oh, my God. I'm so excited to have a Tom. Okay. Alrighty. So, let's hear what Tom has to say. Hey there, Brito and Lindo. <laughs> king Tom here. How are you doing? I've uh, been thinking a lot lately about the night of December 14th. That's when, obviously, The Last Jedi premieres for those of us here in the U.S. And um, I told my wife last week that unless I'm in jail or in the hospital, I, me personally, there's nothing that's going to stop me from being at the movie theater at 7 p.m. <laughs> Eastern to watch The Last Jedi. Uh, and that kind of reminded me to, I was listening to last week's excellent episode of the Canto Bite Dispatch when um, Brittany was saying she had a class that night that came, that The Last Jedi is coming out. Um, I think it was a film class. You were going back and forth on whether to skip or go see the movie, I think you were saying. Um, skip the class. <laughs> Just saying. Skip the class. Uh, I was in college, graduated in 1999. Um, I actually graduated the Sunday after The Phantom Menace premiered. And the night it premiered, it was like, you know, Wednesday at midnight or whatever. I had a photography final at night because it was a night class. And our final was supposed to be like a fancy cheese and cracker expedition uh, of our photos. And I really didn't want to go to that because our grades were decided anyway so I made up some story about how my internship had something I had to go to and it was in the city and I asked really nicely and the professor said sure go and you know I I don't think anyone missed me um I had some really nice pictures of close-ups of a pot of dried beans and some (laughs) feet of statues Um, I was going for the artistic angle got an A in the class but more importantly I got to line up and see the Phantom Menace at its premiere graduated fine did fine so that's my advice do what you can as long as you know you're economically and physically able go see it as soon as you can when it comes out classes be damned uh and stay in school 
both those things, but, you know, Star Wars first. Anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks for letting me rant on, share my story. Um, keep up the great podcast, and I'll talk to you later. <laughs> oh, another reason that I love King Tom so much. Thank you for the voicemail. Yeah, thank you. I feel like <laughs> I feel like we're an official Star Wars podcast now because we've had voicemails from Richie and from Tom. Um, we'll have to get one from Ollie before it's complete, but... Yeah, Ollie, what the fuck? Why haven't you sent us anything yet? What the fuck is... Yeah, Jesus Christ, man. What's wrong with you? Yeah, you... I'm not kidding. You... Uh, my made-up curse word, you ass fuck. Why have you not <laughs> sent us anything? Why? But, anyways, Ollie, you can go fuck yourself, and... <laughs> it's gonna be a 12-minute voicemail. I can't wait. Bring it on, Ollie, but... Yeah, thank you so much, King Tom. I really enjoyed <laughs> oh, a cheese and crackers event, or cheese and or whatever he said. That's really funny, but I really want to see his photos of statue feet. Please, I hate feet, but I can do statue feet. Yeah, please send us that. That's so funny. But nothing is gonna stop me either. But the fact that this is a final and that. I probably want to get a great good grade in the class because I only have three or two more semesters. I'm trying to stick everything in two semesters so I can graduate early because I don't, I'm just done with school. Like I kind of sh shit around in community college and that's why I'm still in this mess. But yeah, I'd like to, you know, have some sort of good GPA. So missing a final probably would damper that, but I'm getting that situated. I should probably be taking that final before The Last Jedi, but I don't want to miss it. Like, I don't even care if I'm, like, so pregnant and my doctor's like, you can't get out of the house. Like, I will go see the Star Wars film. Like, I would do anything. Like, I don't care. Okay, like, I thought, I'm like, how pregnant are you planning to be by December? <laughs> Not like this Star Wars movie. Is there, is there something that you need to tell us? I'm, because I'm, that, I'm not Kylie Jenner. I don't, you know how, I don't know if you know how pregnancy works, but... <laughs> no, I meant, like, a future Star Wars movie, because there are going to be so many Star Wars movies. But no, I'm not Kylie Jenner or anything, so... But <laughs> oh, it, it's oh man, my my word it's just awful. But yeah, like nothing's gonna stop me. Nothing will stop it coming our way. Or what Kylo Ren says to his dead grandfather's helmet. But nothing will stand in my way. There's something really special about seeing Star Wars, at least opening weekend. Like you want to see it with a big crowd who's super excited to be there. I think that just adds to it. That's my favorite part. Like part of me, part of me misses doing the lines. I mean, I just I can't practically do it anymore. And I'm and a, a, probably a bigger part of me is like, thank God I can just like show up at the theater ten minutes before. But I don't know. Like I still remember sitting with my older brother, the Sea Fan and Menace, and like talking to complete strangers. And some people had like pizza delivered to the line and we're sharing it and it was just it was such a cool experience yeah. that I don't know there's something really it's always better to see a movie with the people who really love it and 
Star Wars fans, like, you can't really match that. Yeah, there's definitely something special about seeing a movie with, you know, a bunch of people in the theater and with your family, too. Like, I always go with my family and my brother because we have a really tight bond over Star Wars. And it's always great when the whole family's there. Like, my sister, she lives in Orlando and she's never able to make it. But I'm hoping that she'll be here during it, even though she's not the biggest Star Wars fan. Like, she couldn't see um, The Force Awakens with us because uh, she had just had her, wa- her jaw wire shut and she had, like, a really big jaw surgery and that was really shitty she was in a lot of pain so but we saw the movie again like three days later so it was fun but it was hard keeping that secret with my mom and my sister that you know everything that happened in the movie but anyways I'm sidetracking but you know it's it's so much fun like you know it's like talking to strangers like we always sit in line and talk to people like remember one year we were playing you know Star Wars Monopoly and someone had Star Wars playing on their iPad and we were talking about, you know, the best lightsaber duels and it's just so fun. And then the people in the movie theater were kind of laughing at us, but we were kind of talking to them too. And then last year was so funny because, um, we always go to this like restaurant. It's kind of like a, it's kind of like, um, a buffet. It's called soup plantation. Do you know what it is? It's yeah. It's like called good yeah it's called i think red tomatoes or something um in a couple states but we were waiting in line with some guy and he was talking to us and my brother's like don't you work at soup plantation <laughs> and he's like yeah and we're like no way we're there all the time and he's like actually i think i recognize you guys so it was funny it's like small world like we all recognize <laughs> each other it's like i didn't know you were a star wars fan and then we're talking about Star Wars a little bit. And that's always fun, you know, like meeting people or seeing people again. And I don't know. It's always a fun time. And it's always during Christmas time. And everything's all Christmas decorated. And then you get in the car and there's that radio station just dedicated to Christmas music or holiday music. But I just love, I love the holiday season. Good times, but. Now it's Star Wars times, too, which I'm excited about. So, but yeah, nothing will keep me from seeing that movie on December 14th at 7 p.m. King Tom, I guarantee you. Yeah, it's definitely the way to do it. Like, like I did the same thing for, um, for the Lord of the Rings movies. Um, I remember, especially, I remember Two Towers because that came out uh December of 2002 so it was like my first uh year in college and I remember like coming home from Christmas break and going out to stand in line at at a local theater and really really probably didn't need to be standing in line could have gotten a ticket anyway but uh, like some guys I knew from high school had camped out in (laughs) Indiana in December on the fucking, like, you know, cold-ass cement outside of the theater. One of them dressed like a hobbit, including the bare, <laughs> including the bare feet. Holy shit. But it was so much fun. And at one point, like, my mom came and brought us a couple of thermoses of, like, coffee and hot chocolate. And I don't know, those are, there's something really special about that. 
I mean, the fact that I remember the process of waiting to see a movie from, you know, 12 years ago, like, that says something. Okay, now, back to the colors. Like, do you... Oh, my God. Do you associate, like, colors with, like, any of these memories? Like, you say, like, you had, like, the thermoses, and you're outside, it was cold, and then the guy with the hobbit feet. Like, do you associate, like... No! <laughs> Also, the fact that I thought 2002 was 12 years ago is not a good sign. <laughs> it's a combination of being terrible at math and also being terrible about the perception and the passage of time. Because I'm one of those people who, when I think about the 90s, thinks that they were 10 years ago. Dude, me too. And then I realized, dude, I was like five when like the 90s were over. <laughs> <laughs> But no, I don't. I don't associate it with colors. You like? I mean, I have a I have a memory, and that includes the colors of the things that the I saw. Of the hobbit feet. I mean, they were feet colored. <laughs> I mean, I remember what the guy looks like, but I don't. I don't associate any of that with particular colors. Oh, okay. Because my memory, no, my memory is not color coded. Do you like smell things? Is it like scent? Um, I have very strong, uh, like scent memories. Yeah. yeah. I was walking, I was walking through the farmer's market the other day and there was some tent set up that was just selling lavender like sachets and dried lavender and lavender for cooking and lavender oil. And it's such a strong scent, and it reminds me fiercely of my grandmother, because she used to give me, like, the little, like, stuffed pillows that you can, like, stick in your, your, like, underwear drawer and stuff. And, like, I just sort of, like, immediately, like, stopped in my tracks. Like, it was such a strong reaction to it. It's so amazing, like, what scents and what, you know, colors or whatever can, like, remind us of a memory. I'm like that, too, with, like, you know, perfumes. Like, I smell something and I'm like, oh, I remember, like, that smell. I associate that with this or, like, it's awesome. Go memories, but. <laughs> Go memories. Go memories. Okay. Anything else? Like any other news? Or I don't think anything's dropped right now because it's seven fifty-four my time on a Sunday night. So I doubt that. Yeah, I don't think there's. I don't think there's much out right now. I mean, my Twitter hasn't exploded, so I'm going to assume that we haven't had any Star Wars news. Dude, mine was exploding when that. I was talking about that pineapple thing. Like, I don't think my phone has ever buzzed or gone off as much as it did during that whole pineapple fiasco. My God. <laughs> I was angering so Yeah, people. you know, yeah. Yeah, don't send us any emails about pineapple pizza because I don't want to get into it. If you it have any emails about pineapple pizza, email at us at cantobitepod at gmail.com. 
and please tell us that you enjoy pineapple pizza because it is the best pizza. I can't rhyme, but if I could, I would rhyme about pineapple pizza. Oh, my God. Okay, we got it in the podcast now. <laughs> I mean, I don't mean forever, but I feel like we should probably end it for the night. It's done. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so, uh, Rusty, we'll get to your email next week because you had a top three in there. And if I know if we do, like, half your email tonight, then next week I'm just not going to remember. So we'll save it for next week, but thank you. Yes, thank you, Rusty. I'll tell you that when I see you in the next room because you're probably at the door listening to this podcast right now. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. If you have questions or comments or any of that good stuff, you can send us emails at cantobite dispatch at g no no that's not right you can send us emails at god damn it ah let's see if i even remember to delete this when i edit this episode but okay let's try that again you can send us emails at cantobitepod at gmail.com you can like you learned tonight send us voicemails just you know record on your phone or whatever and email the file in or email us a link to it and we'll play it try to keep it on the shorter side but we love hearing from you guys and voicemails are fun i always like to hear people ramble on yes so hit us up uh send us top three topics there you can follow us on twitter and on instagram at canto bite pod you can follow me at eflind that's at e-f-l-i-n-d how about you Brittany? You can follow me on Twitter at Canto Brit and on Instagram as Brittany the Ginger. And we are part of the Radio Free Podcasting Network. Go to RadioFreePodcasting.com. Check out the other shows there. Like we mentioned, Rich and Ollie. Listen to the ghost fucking dickwads if you want to. Yeah, um, fuck them. You can listen to <laughs> Radio Free Mandalore, you can listen to the Imperial Senate podcast, you can listen to my Twin Peaks podcast, How's Annie, we just recently put up our episode reflecting on the finale, Um, Amateur Pod, John in 60 Seconds, there's a bunch of stuff up there, just check it all out, because it's good people, and it's Patrick Bonfrisco's network, and he is basically the nicest human in existence. It's tied between him and Eric's fathers, so they can fight it out, but they're both too nice to do that, so they're just tied. They'll just, like, compliment each other off, like, that's how we'll decide who's the nicest. (laughs) Um, If you like us, please rate and review us on iTunes. That really helps us get out there more, because the complicated algorithms that iTunes uses likes people to rate and review and that puts us up there um and you know retweet the episodes when they go up all that good stuff and thank you for listening and thanks to everybody who wrote in we love you guys yeah we love you some of you anyway yes (laughs) the people i the people i don't like know it i want you to know like just like just give out names of people you don't know. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> is that going to be, that can be our top three next week. 
yeah, just people <laughs> that we know we just don't like. Yeah. Top three people that I like the least. <laughs> oh, man. Okay, it's definitely time to end the podcast. So, bye. Bye.